Car batteries do not last forever. Car batteries do not last forever. Three years, five years, and then usually on a cold December, January morning where it's raining and 38 degrees, you go out to start the car, and what does it do? Click, 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 click. Click, 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 click. And you know, got to put in a new battery. Five years ago, that was me again. Jenny had taken the girls to ballet. She had decided to wait for the hour while they were in practice listening to the radio. And when it came time to start the van, nothing. No problem. I jump-started it that night. I jump-started it the next day. And off to Sam's Club I went because they have a tire and battery center. So I'm there at the counter. Slide my key across and I say, ma'am, I've got a 2011 Toyota Sienna. It needs a new battery. And she looks at me and she says, sir, it'll be a while. And I say, that's not a problem. I haven't been to Sam's Club in three or four weeks. I've got a lot of shopping to do. It'll probably take me an hour to work my way through the store and I'll come back. And she slides the key back across the counter toward me and she says, no, sir, it'll be a while. So now I got to enter into this interchange with her back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And as it turns out, a while meant six hours. You know, a while, a while. Uh, we have language about time. And can I be honest with you? Our language about time is imprecise. Our language about time is imprecise. Okay. Just now. You're driving along and something cool. Oh, wow, did you, know, did you see that 1957 Studebaker? Where, when, just now? Or Jenny wakes me up in the middle of the night. Max, Max, did you hear that? Hear what? That sound, what sound? When, when? just now? And I've discovered that just now usually means something that is in the past. But we use the phrase just now. It's the weirdest thing. In a minute, uh, when the kids were little, uh, they would ask their mom when they were six, seven, eight years old, when are we going to get to go home? And Jenny would say to them, in a minute, in a minute, which usually meant somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> before long, that's another phrase. We love to use that for kids who have hit puberty. Before long, you're going to be an adult. And before long usually means forever. Okay, before long. Then we have one of these days, one of these days, the wife and I are going to go to Hawaii. One of these days, I'm going to get around to building that boat. Like one of these days usually means never, <laughs> but we say one of these days. Uh, anytime now, that's a favorite. If you have a Delta ticket agent at the airport and you go the fourth time to the counter and you ask, when are we going to board the flight? And she will say anytime now. And that could mean in 30 seconds, it could mean three days. You don't know, but any time now. And this language also affects the Bible. The earliest Christians were told by Jesus and by Jesus' apostles that Jesus would return soon. In fact, they were so convinced that the soon meant really soon that they fully expected, many of them, that Jesus would return before the apostle John died. And so now, in the year 2022, we now know that soon in the Bible can mean at least 
2,000 years. <laughs> when is Jesus coming back? Soon. <laughs> when is that? Uh, at some point. Okay? Now, while time is constant, our experience of time varies. So the earth rotates on its axis once every 24 hours. The earth rotates around our sun and our solar system roughly three, it takes 365 days roughly for the, the earth to rotate the sun. These two things are relatively constant. And by the way, if they change, we're gone. <laughs> Changing these things is bad for us humans, okay? But our experience of time can vary considerably. I have actually gone to the doctor's office without my phone and without something to read. And I'm going to tell you that the wait in the doctor's office is, in fact, forever. It is forever. I've sat there and I've thought, I'm going to send him a bill, like, <laughs> for my time, okay? Uh, and then this year, so we're on the other side of a global pandemic. And this year, in the year 2022, this is how the year has played out. January, February, March, April, May, June. <laughs> right? Some of you are like, I'm back to school already. Yes, yes, okay? Energy may be renewable, but time is not. You cannot store up time for later, and when you kill time, it does not come back from the dead. It's gone. It's gone, okay? And so my big idea is we wrap up our summer teaching series from the, the, from the book of Psalms is simply this. Time is limited and non-renewable. Live like it. Time is limited and non-renewable. Live like it. If I can be brutally honest for a moment, whether you realize it or not, and most of you don't, you have an expiration date. I have an expiration date. I have a limited amount of time here on planet Earth, this rotating ball I just covered. And I don't know when my expiration date is. You don't either. Uh, but it's why people will create bucket lists, right? Things they want to do, say, or experience before they kick the proverbial bucket. And so today we're going to be in Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is one of the psalms attributed to Moses, okay? And so I want to read the entire psalm to you, and then we're going to talk about it. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, through all generations, you have been our home. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from the beginning to the end, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. For you, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They're like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning, it blooms and flourishes, but by evening, it's dry and withered. We wither beneath your anger. We're overwhelmed by your fury. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. We live our lives beneath your wrath ending our years with a groan. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to 80, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble, and they disappear and, and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. 
Oh Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so that we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Now again, this psalm is attributed to Moses. And the setting for this psalm is Deuteronomy 32, Numbers 20. Moses has successfully led the Hebrews out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army's been drowned, and now they've been wandering and wandering and wandering. And Miriam has died, and Moses' sister. And Aaron has died. And God has told Moses, hey, Moshe, you know the promised land? That's not for you. Uh, your life, I'm taking your life soon. Get your house in order. You're not crossing in to the promised land with the rest of the people. And so this psalm is what Amanda taught us a few weeks ago, a psalm of lament. So it's a recognition of what is, what God has done and what God will do, but what is that's right in front of your face, okay? And this lament has two parts. Verses 1 to 12 are is really a lament on the brevity of life. And then part two, verses 13 through 17, are several petitions in light of that fact, in light of the fact that life is too short. And so I want to draw out a few things. You turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. So part of what Moses is saying in this psalm is, life is short. Man, it goes by in the blink of an eye. Now, if you're young and you're here today and you're under the age of, say, 25, your perspective on this is probably, man, this is taking forever. When am I going to get to vote and travel and go to school and move out of mom and dad's and live my life and be the boss of me? And there's this ferocity in you for that. Now, for those of you that are older than, say, 50, you're hitting these moments where you're like, whoa, wait a minute, that was 10 years ago? This spring, I had Bill Wilhoyt come out and check my HVAC units. And Bill starts to lecture me about changing my filters. And I said to him, Bill, I am really good. In fact, I'm anal retentive about this. I change them religiously. I've got the five-inch media filters. I change them every six months. And he starts laughing and he says, Max, come here. You're in a new stage of life, and so I'm going to explain this to you. I'm like, explain what? And he says, you're at a stage of life where everything that you think you did that was just six months ago is five years ago. <laughs> so let's go find these filters. And we opened the first box, and I had, in fact, put the date on it from a year and a half ago. <laughs> and I would have swore on a stack of Bibles that I'd changed those. Thanks a lot, Bill. <laughs> Psalm 90 verse 10 puts it this way. 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. He wasn't lying. Now, you may not know this, but based on skeletal remains of ancient Canaan during the biblical times, 
one in four infants died in the first year. So if you had a baby, moms and dads, one out of four of those babies would die in the first year. Only one out of two children lived to adulthood, okay, um, ages 20 to 49. So half. In fact, this data is consistent with Europe during the Middle Ages, the continent of Africa, uh, the Incas and Mayans. It's, it's broadly true of human history until the past 100 years or so. One out of four infants died in the first year. One out of every two kids died by the time they reached the age of 20. Only one out of 10 people lived past the age of 50 in the ancient world. Now, in the United States, we've got uh, this upward trajectory of life expectancy. Now, that, that down dip is the first bit of COVID. It'll go down another year and then hopefully go back up. So Americans, if you live in America, if you're a man, you can expect on average to live to age 75. If you're a woman, you can expect to live to age 80. Now, many of us are familiar with this battery symbol on your phone. In fact, this week, Josh called me, and the first thing he said to me was, Max, my phone's about to die. And I was like, why are you telling me this? Are you telling me this because you don't want to talk to me? And he goes, no, 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 that's not how it works. I called you. <laughs> if I had called you and you had told me my phone's about to die, it meant that you didn't want to talk to me. And I was like, oh. Okay, so you have these battery symbols, and my family will have to forgive me. I'm using my family as, as an example of this. So this is what we have, some members of my family, if life expectancies are what they are. I'm down to 28%. My mom's down to 5%. Grandma's at 0%. But grandma, who's actually here today, she, she does life like she's 45. So you have to talk to her about that. Jillian's at 74. Maddie's at 82. Now, of course, the thing with averages is you can be gone by the age of 15, or you can live like my friend's dad did, who just died at an age of 104. The man fought in the Battle of the Bulge. The past five years, every time I've talked to Glenn, I've been like, Glenn, is your dad still here? And he'd be like, yeah. And Glenn retired himself. Like, and by the way, if you're ever looking for something fun, watch the video clip online of Johnny Carson back in the day interviewing the oldest farmer from Illinois. There's this moment where the guy, he still farmed at age 98, and and he, there's a moment in the interview where Johnny says, well, you know, do you, do you still do all the decisions? And he says, no, no, I let my son do that. And he, Johnny says, well, that's great. How old's your son? And he goes, 78. <laughs> Thank goodness he gave him a shot at age 78. That's really nice of him. Okay? But all of that leads up to Psalm 90, verse 12, right? Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Ain't none of us getting out of here alive. That's the way George Carlin put it back in the 1970s, okay? And so some of you might be like, thanks, Max. I actually drug my butt out of to go to church today, and you are like a real killjoy. Well, I'm, I'm getting to some important, important parts. Why would I emphasize this? Well, because you're an American, and Americans, we live our lives disconnected from the reality of our existence. We mitigate much of our life through screens, and we're screened out and, and removed from death. We don't, we don't deal with the death of farm animals every day. 
we don't lay out members of our family when they die on the dining room table and put quarters on, on their eyes like they did during the Great Depression. We don't do that. We don't enter church passing through a graveyard where we start to see the names of the people on the tombstones be the names that we were, you know, people we were sitting with the week before. And so because all of these things are absent from our lives, we have this tendency to think that death is for everybody else but me. Like I'm the exception. I'm somehow going to beat this. And that just ain't so. And so this wisdom that we're growing into is the ability to know right from wrong and the, abil and, the, and, and the willingness to choose what is right. That's how the scripture talks about wisdom. According to Psalm 110, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And part of the fear of the Lord is this recognition that God is God and I'm not. That's what's going on in Psalm 90. The whole stuff at the beginning, God, you've done this and we're like flowers and grass. What Moses is saying is you're God and I'm not. And that's a profound recognition to make. You know, one of the things that the Bible affirms about Jesus is that Jesus is fully human, was fully human, right? So he experienced the full range of humanness. He was born, he had to be nursed, he had to learn to read and to walk, uh, he had to learn language, he lived, he had his public ministry, he died a criminal's death on a cross, the death that we deserve, he died in our place. And yet, of all the encounters in the Gospels about Jesus, you never hear a description of him being rushed, you never hear a description of him being worried, you never hear a description of Jesus being uh, threat, you know, hurried, rushed, worried, okay? Now, Again, there's this thing among seminaries and theologians, uh, it's called CIE, context is everything. So I wanna come back to the context of this Psalm. This Psalm is Moses, who's just been told what? You're not going into the promised land. Wah, wah, wah. I have to wonder if the whole manna thing became routine. So you're in the wilderness, and every day, part of that existence is you go out in the morning, you send the kids out, and they collect this stuff from the ground called manna, and you make it into this meal and substance, and it's, it's your food for the day. If you're a kid and you're born into that, that's how life works, right? I mean, you wake up, you go collect this stuff off the ground, like that's how the universe works. I mean, it's how things are. You don't know any different. And I have to wonder if by year 20 or 30 or by year 35, if the wondrous aspect of that started to get lost and it was just taken for granted. You know, you wake up, it's Tuesday, what do you do? You go get manna for the day. It's how life works. It's how life has worked for the last 25 years, for crying out loud. It had been a long time since God had done something really big, like the plagues in Egypt, like the parting of the Red Sea. And so one of the petitions that Moses makes in this psalm is, let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory. I want to, today we asked you to commemorate on a rock a time that God moved in your life, okay? But I want to suggest to you that you could take another step, and that step is simply this, hey, God, how do you want to move again? How do you want to move again? 
what do you want to do next in my life, in our lives, in this place? I've got a few questions to ask in light of this passage. The first one is, is simply this. If you had only six months to live, what would you change and why? If you had one of those people in the white lab coats tell you, well, this is your year, what would you change and why? Is wisdom a word that could be used to describe how you use time? Is that an adjective that would be an apt description for your use of time? And then, is it possible that what concerns you most right now might not be important at all in 10 years, 25 years? Okay? So, I, I want to make this as practical as I can. So, for those of you that are younger than the age of 30, hi, my name is Max, and I'm your tour guide today through Psalm 90. Hi, Max. Okay, so, if you're under the age of 30, take some risks. Take some risks. You want to backpack Europe, if you want to take a gap year, if you want to apply to that program, if you want to do whatever it is, don't wait for one of those days. Do it. You're not going to look back and regret trying something. You're going to look back and regret not trying something. And then secondly, interview some people who are older than you. That could be your grandma or your grandpa. That could be people in this church family. Uh, and ask them, what regrets do you have? And what advice would you give someone starting out in life? And then for those of you older than the age of 30, hi, my name is Max. I'm going to be your tour guide through Psalm 90 today. Hi, Max. Okay. First of all, say what needs to be said. There are some key phrases in our key relationships in life. I love you. I'm proud of you. Marrying you is the best thing I ever did. Having you as a kid, a son, or daughter is one of the greatest blessings of my life. These kinds of things. Sometimes the most powerful thing that needs to be said is, I'm sorry, I've really been a jerk. And they're like, yes, yes, you have. <laughs> Glad you see reality. <laughs> okay, right? And then, secondly, what needs to move from one of these days? Remember, one of these days often means never. What needs to move from one of these days to actual real estate in your calendar and then put it there and then last but not least where is God working in your life today here's the good news you're here you're here today which means God's not done yet with you <laughs> there's still things God's wanting to do in and through you what might some of those be I told this story a few years ago and it, it bears telling again, and it's uh, my dad and my mom. So my mom and my dad uh, are just the funniest people, uh, and so they thought for a long time that they had not saved enough money to retire, right? So uh, every year they would have this conversation, should we retire, should I retire now, should we wait, should, what should we do? And, and so they, uh, dad worked an extra two years longer than, than he had thought. And then he had this meeting with their financial person, and, and he was like, I think in another year or two, and the guy looked at him and said, Mike, you're set. Retire. What are you waiting for? You know, quit, quit today. So he, he did. And, and they started traveling, and they did the thing that now I understand at age 54. They would go someplace. They were going to be gone a week, and they would come back three days later, and I'd be like, what are you doing here? 
And then I would get the, well, you know, the beds were terrible and we couldn't sleep and we needed our own beds and oh, and I'm stiff. And, and so they loved going down to Florida, loved going down to Florida. And I remember having these conversations. They were like, well, should we buy, just buy a house? Then we can have our own bed. And they did. They bought a house in Florida and they bought the same bed they had here and they were like, this is gonna be awesome. And they did that for three months and then in the fourth month, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and then a year later, he was gone, right? Now, I tell you that story not because I want you to carpe diem. You can get that on YouTube. You can get that on the Today Show. There are plenty of people in America that are going to tell you, seize the day. That's not what I'm talking about. Like the fact that Americans have this tendency to forget that they're going to die, American churchgoers have this tendency to forget that God is real. And God is at work. And God's not done with your story yet. And God yet wants to do big things, part the sea, have another moment that 10 years from now, you might commemorate on another rock <laughs> of what God has not yet done but is going to do. I'm convinced that for those of you in this room that translate into the resurrected life, okay? So it's resurrected life and you get to meet Moses and you get to talk to him and you're like, hey, Moshe, what's going on? My name is Max, this is really cool. Like, can I get your autograph? I don't know how it'll work <laughs> or if we'll care about autographs, okay? And if you were to say to the man, listen, what are the things that you regret? Moses, what are the things that you regret? What do you wish you could go back and do over? I guarantee one thing he won't regret is obeying God when the burning bush spoke to him and said, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Like Moses would say to you, oh, I regret a lot of things and I tried to talk God out of that and I told him I couldn't speak and I had like six different reasons, but when it was all done, I went and I did what God asked me to do and I don't regret that one day of my life. I'm so glad I obeyed God, right? So God is at work in your life. And so like Moses says in verse 16, let us, your servants, see your work again. Let us, your servants, see your work again. Let our children see your glory. 